This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Vermont discussing the unsolved murder of a mother. Then we'll talk about a string of disappearances that occurred in what became known as the Bennington Triangle. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Green Mountain State. So I don't have an opening this week. I'm just going to jump in. It's getting harder and harder it to is. make them original. It so really is. I get it. So newsflash, y'all, when we come back for season three. Yeah, we're not going to do the intros. I hope it doesn't break any hearts, but... They're hard to come up with, especially when you've had cases that are so similar. We feel like we're coming up with the same stuff. We probably are. So on January 3rd, 1981, in Burlington, Vermont, the snow-covered body of 35-year-old Angela Belisle. She was found in her driveway by a University of Vermont student. She was frozen to the ground. Oh. It was 38 below zero. At first, he thought it was a mannequin, but when he got closer, he realized it was actually a human. Oh, my gosh. He ran to the neighbor's house, had them call the police immediately. Angela had dried blood on her face and was lying beside her car that still had the driver's side door open. It appeared to everyone that she had stepped out of her car, slipped on the ice, fallen, and banged her head. And then froze to death. Oh, that would be so awful. She had clearly been there overnight. And that's something that seems logical. Sure. In a place like Vermont. Oh, for sure. Ooh. So the story the newspaper ran the next day read, Mother of three slips on ice and freezes to death in driveway. And it was actually part of a national weather coverage. Okay, but I mean, like, get the autopsy first, right? I mean, they just, they put it out there. Good she Lord. froze to death. She still had her keys in her hand. Mm. And I'm thinking, did the neighbors not look outside and see her door open all you would night? Think someone would never, I don't know. So the medical examiner worked on her frozen body. And noticed that there were gunshots, that she had not died from exposure. She was shot to death. The police said they thought a mark on her face was a freckle, but it was actually a gunshot. Jeez. The autopsy took a while because her body was frozen and had to be warmed, which takes some time. Yeah. Which sounds awful. Crime scene investigators had to work and melt the snow to search for evidence, and they were able to find a shell casing, but that was it. The medical examiner determined her approximate time of death was Friday, January 2nd, and the early morning of January the 3rd, so possibly overnight. Hmm. Cause of death was gunshot to the head, and no neighbors who were questioned heard anything. Robbery was ruled out. Her purse was found with her. There was nothing missing. And obviously, the person who did this knew Angela, and she was targeted. It did not appear to be a random act because the footprints left in the snow, it looked like this person basically waited on her to come home. 
waited in the garage or by the garage. And as the car came in and she turned the lights out, they moved into position and shot her like a sniper. So Angela Louise Gage was born on December the 5th, 1945. Her family had lived in Canada, just about 10 miles north of the Vermont border. She met her husband, Jerry, at a dance in the 60s. Jerry ran a cement pouring company, and she was a school teacher, and they had three children. The couple did start having problems, and they divorced in 1979. And he took it really hard, the ex-husband, Jerry. He only wanted to be with her and found it very difficult to be without her to try to move on. Like he just wasn't doing well. And he was just used to her being there for him Mm -hmm. and being with her. And it just, it wasn't going well. Right. So not long after the divorce, Angela's home mysteriously burnt down. But she and the kids were out of town. So that was a silver lining. And then a year later, the lake house that she had got in the divorce was vandalized. Okay. So... Nothing was ever done about either one of these. There was no witnesses, no suspects, nothing. So it just kind of, and she was nervous. All this shit had happened. She didn't like leaving her house after dark. She didn't like being alone. Did she think it was her ex? I didn't see anything in my research that said she suspected her ex, but she probably, I mean. Those are odd coincidences. When things happen. I would suspect everybody. Yeah. True. I have a long list of people who want to burn my house down. <laughs> you better write them down somewhere. Oh, they're my journal. <laughs> oh my but I think they're under nicknames, so Ooh. I'll have to put a little. I'm sure Samuel has some patients <laughs> that have his name in a book somewhere. Oh, my God. So she was also pursuing her master's in psychology at the University of Vermont, and she was very smart. She's very driven. So on the night of the crime, Angela had met her ex-husband at the University of Vermont parking lot, dropped the kids off because it was his weekend. Then she headed to the grocery store, pulls into her driveway, and that's where she was shot. So the police began interviewing people just a few days after she was found. On January 5th, the police brought someone in for questioning, but They released them. They got nowhere. Hmm. Investigators often start with those closest to the victims when there's not an obvious person that had a vendetta against you. Like I said, I have a very long list. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be here all night, please. Angela had just filed papers to seek more support payments since she had recently lost her job. Hmm. And by her job, she was doing like an internship and it paid but that it was over. Yeah. So she wasn't bringing in any income. So she had contacted her attorney to bring this back up, go back to court, get more money. And there was a hearing scheduled for 11 days after she was murdered. Yeah. Not God. a good, no. Jerry's guns were taken from his home and looked at, but he had an alibi. He had all three of his kids at the time that she had been killed, and his daughter corroborated his story, saying she woke up in the middle of the night, saw him asleep on the couch, and it was 1234, and she remembered that because they had just got 
a digital clock. Oh, wow. And so it said one, two, three, four. And so it stuck with her. I'm still, I'm leaning Hitman, I think. (sighs) It's very. But then again, well. Didn't hear anything because there was a silencer. But then he would have picked up the shell. Yeah. He would have been far enough away. Yeah, he wouldn't have. That's true. I don't know unless it got lost in the snow. He would have been better at his job, you would think, than to be close range. I don't know. But the media is keeping their eyes. On on the X. I don't trust them. That's what they do. Media always goes mm-hmm. after the X. They always investigate them. This is not new. But he was never arrested or charged in Angela's murder. Hmm. Burlington Police, State Police, and the State's Attorney's Office had nothing. No suspect to arrest. No new information. And the case goes cold. All leads were pursued, but nothing came and gradually you run out of things to investigate yeah and you have other cases that are piling up that need your attention crime stoppers offered a reward there were posters and signs made and hung up and articles were printed in newspapers but no information came in Man. so here we are 40 plus years later <gasps> and her killer has not no. been found no nope So if you have any information about this, contact the Burlington (sighs) Police Department or the Vermont State Police. So I know this is a super short case. Man, I wasn't thinking this was going to be unsolved for some reason. Super short case. There's just not a lot of information. That was the only evidence that we know of. (sighs) They're not releasing if they do have any more information because it still is an open case. And they're still investigating the best they can with what they have. But 40 plus years? Hey, there was a case that was solved recently, though. That no, was I, like I know. Years later no, no, that, no. I know what happened, but, um, but but still, why mm-hmm. not? Because you have the house getting burned down mm-hmm. in the past. It's got to be the same person, right? You, I mean, it's a lot Gosh, of. Stuff it's got to be this ex. Who to, else? To no happen enemies? such a short amount of time, <sighs> I don't know. Sometimes there's just no leads, but you know, these cases also need to be talked about and brought yeah. into the public eye again. So hopefully this will get solved. I mean, I can't even imagine what her family or her kids feel like. 40 plus years? That's my, I'm 40 plus. And you would think that with the way she was frozen, Mm -hmm. that might mess up when they know what time of her death was. Like she was frozen, then they had to thaw her out. But but there's also, there's no DNA. There's nothing, no fingerprints, nothing, because she was shot from a distance and nobody touched anything. So, I don't know. You know, we watch all these crime shows and you're like, but there were footprints in the snow. Can you not measure yeah. them? Figure out where I that know. shoe I'm came like, from? If I could just go back in time. Right. No, I probably couldn't figure this out either. But yeah, it's just like, there's got to be something. Something you would think. How can, I don't know, that someone got away with that. And then burned down her house and stuff too. I mean, I'm thinking it's the same person. It's got to be. <sighs> it's not her ex. She has an enemy. They couldn't find anybody that had anything against her. Or a stalker. Maybe. I don't know. Go ahead. What's your case? Okay, well, my case is a little more popular than the ones I tend to cover, but it's really weird, so I'm like, I want to research this, so I'm going to do my own little coverage. I know Morbid's covered it before and some other podcasts. I didn't listen to them, so I wouldn't be repeating exactly what they Uh said. 
I don't know what they said. So here it's gonna we be are. the same thing. It's going to be <laughs> word for word their podcast. No, and it was a couple years ago when they covered it yeah. anyway. So Bennington is a small town in southwestern Vermont. It's just an hour's drive to Albany, New York, and 16 minutes to the Massachusetts border. So the Bennington Triangle, it refers to the area within which a number of people went missing from 1945 to 1950. Have you heard of it? Have you listened to a podcast about it? I almost covered it because there was a case that has to do with it, I believe, that was a wrongful conviction case. Oh, okay. I don't know of it, but... It's not... Okay, good. Go ahead. Sorry. No, but that's interesting. So the triangle centered on Glastonbury Mountain. It includes the area and town surrounding it. Obviously, Bennington, but also Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset. The exact parameters are ambiguous, though, so it's not a perfect triangle. It's just kind of, you know, a rough draft. (laughs) And you're going to love this. Well, not this part. It's been known for missing persons, but also strange events, including UFOs, Mm. Bigfoot sightings, Mm. and strange lights and sounds. So some weird stuff. The area is said to be cursed, according to Native American lore. And an Algonquin legend warned of a malevolent stone in the mountains that would open up and devour anyone unlucky enough to step on it. Holy shit, a demon rock? <laughs> it's like, what is in this? I mean. What's in Vermont? And Vermont, uh, I forget the names of them. It's I want to say it's like Betty or Dottie or such a traditional name. The first recorded UFO yeah. sighting. It's I feel like it's one of those it, yeah, names it was like, like that. A, mm-hmm. But I'll start with the true crime cases, and then I'll chat about the supernatural stuff later. Making us wait. Yeah. So prior to the big five cases between 1945 and 50, a man named Carol Herrick went missing in 1943. He went on a hunting trip about 10 miles northeast of Glastonbury, which was referred to as a ghost town. Several search parties went out looking for him. But unfortunately, his lifeless body was found three days later. The report said he had been squeezed to death. Squeezed? Squeezed, yep. That's odd, of course. The area he was found near was also surrounded by large footprints. Bigfoot. So people immediately just jumped to, this is Bigfoot. 100. Bigfoot squeezed him, and it became known as the Bennington Monster. So it's like their local Bigfoot. But squeezed to death is odd because you think, if there's bears there, I didn't search if there are bears in Vermont, but bears don't squeeze you to death. Mm -mm. I mean, snakes in Florida would squeeze you, but they're going to eat you. Mm Mm-hmm. And those snakes aren't living in Vermont. No. So no. I have no idea what that would have been. It was Bigfoot, Lacey. I mean, it could have been. Tired of you, <laughs> He just wanted to give him a bear hug. And, oh. Mm. On November 12, 1945, a 74-year-old hunting guide named Mitty Rivers was leading a party of four hunters in the area of Hell Hollow in the woods of Glastonbury. He was leading them back to their camp, but he got a ways ahead of them and they lost him. It wasn't a big deal because they knew how to get back to the camp. They weren't worried about him because he was a skilled woodsman and he had recently had a physical 
He was in good shape, even though he was 74. He never returned. So an extensive search was conducted by 300 locals, and the U.S. Army soldiers were dispatched from the Massachusetts Fort Devens. So this is a big search. Mm -hmm. They searched the woods for eight days. The only thing they found was a rifle cartridge of the same type that he used. No signs of an animal attack or anything. No signs of his clothing. He was never seen again. Alien abduction. (laughs) Or The Rock. I mean, I don't know. On December 1st, 1946, 18-year-old Paula Jean Weldon, who was a sophomore at Bennington College, went out for a hike in the early afternoon on the Long Trail. Several people saw her that day, including a man named Ernest Whitman, who gave her directions. He noted that she was not wearing a jacket, even though it was 50 degrees outside, and was supposed to drop down to 9 degrees that night. I mean, it's December in Vermont. An elderly couple also saw her on the trail and were just 100 yards behind her almost the entire time. They said she turned a corner in the trail, and just like that, they lost her. They didn't see her anymore after that. Her case got a lot of attention. A search was conducted, and the FBI was involved. She was never found again. No trace. No nothing. That was the rock. <sighs> I don't know. I'm solving that, this for oh, you're you. you like getting vibes. That's <laughs> the rock, the other one, the aliens. So three years to the day after Paula was last seen, James E. Tedford, a veteran, went missing. He was a resident of the Bennington Soldiers' Home and had been in St. Albans visiting relatives and returned home on a bus when he vanished. According to witnesses, James was one of 14 passengers on the bus at the last stop before arriving in Bennington. So somewhere between the last stop and Bennington, he vanished on this bus. His belongings were still in the luggage rack. An open bus timetable was on his seat. No one saw him get off the bus, and they know for a fact he didn't get off in Bennington. It was investigated, and that no one ever found him. The people in the town thought he actually did vanish into thin air. Hmm. They're open-minded there. They're Bigfoot vanishing into thin air. You, you don't know. But just without a trace, didn't even take his stuff with him. If there was a crime committed or a murder, you're on a bus. Mm -hmm. No one saw him leave. It's very odd. On October 12, 1950, eight-year-old Paul Jepson went missing in the Bennington area. Oh, no. Yeah. He was with his mom in a pickup truck when she left him briefly to feed her pigs. When she got back into the truck, Paul was gone. What? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to feed pigs or how many pigs there were, but it's... Is this like a, was this like a remote where she kept her pigs? Was this on their prop, probably on their property? I don't think it was on their property. Well, maybe it was their property, Uh but it wasn't like near their house. Yeah, yeah. So they had to drive there, but she looked around for him and had no idea where he went. She reported him missing and hundreds of people assembled in a search party. Bloodhounds were brought in everything. They picked up his scent and followed it toward Glastonbury Mountain, but they lost the scent at a nearby crossroads. Mm. 
So police thought this meant he could have been abducted by someone, like he got out of the car. Mm-hmm. A car happened to be driving by, and just like that, they mm-hmm. picked him up or whatever. He was wearing a bright red jacket and should have been fairly easy to spot. The area was searched for several days. He was never found, and there was never any trace of him. And his dad did talk about how days leading up to feeding the pigs, he kept talking about wanting to be on the mountain. Almost in a way where he was acting like he might have been lulled there. By an alien. <sighs> Just kind of creepy. Like, he was like, I need to get to the mountain. Oh I want to be on the mountain. An eight-year-old. Very kind of, yeah, it's very creepy. That's super creepy. I don't know. I was, I was about this whole triangle. It gave me Tommy Knocker vibes yeah, or something yeah, yeah. where it's no. like there's something in under the dirt of the mountain. I don't know. 16 days later, 53 year old Frida Langer went missing on October 28, 1950. She and her cousin Herbert Elsner left their family campsite near Somerset Reservoir to go on a hike. When they were a few hundred yards away from their campsite, Frida slipped and fell into a stream. Because of this, her clothes and shoes were soaked. She was not going to keep hiking like this. They were still close to the campsite, so she told her cousin, Hey, look, I'm going to go back and I'm going to change real fast. You wait here. I'll be back in just a few minutes. He waited and waited. She never returned. So finally, he went back to the campsite to see what was taking so long. But she wasn't there. And there were no signs that she ever was there, like that she ever returned and got new clothes and didn't leave wet clothes right. So over the next few weeks, several search parties searched for her, but she wasn't found. So the search was called off. But then on May 12, 1951, Frida's body was found near the Somerset Reservoir, which was an area that had been searched multiple times. Because of the amount of time passing and the elements, her body decomposed quite a bit, and no cause of death could be determined. To this day, the case is unsolved. So she was the last person to disappear. And that's a little strange that it's the last disappearance they've ever had, because it's near a mountain. Plenty of people get lost in the woods. I mean, you hear about it in Arkansas all the time, and, you know, things happen. It's been over 70 years. Well, the aliens went other places. <sighs> it's And even though there aren't any connections that tie these cases together, some think it could be the work of a serial killer. I was going to say, could, I don't want it to be a serial killer. I'd much rather it be a UFO or Bigfoot. The thing about a serial killer is there's no, there's no evidence to back it up. Mm. Well, there's no, no bodies. Well, right. Just Frida's and yeah. they don't know her cause of death. And mm-hmm. the variety of victims makes it unlikely. Like... A little boy, an older woman, an older, an elderly man. And it wasn't always the same season either. Right. Different times. The only time, thing that was in common was the five-year span, really, hmm. and the location. So some people say it must be a wild animal. No. Like a bobcat or a cougar. No, there would be footprints <laughs> and drag marks. Yeah. And that's true. And bobcats actually don't attack people. I'll take your word for it. Well, they they will attack you if you're near their kittens mm-hmm. or if you're like coming at them or whatever, but they don't seek people out. They mostly are lurking and trying to get away from you. Mm-hmm. If they're threatened, that's one thing, but it's unlikely there's some ravenous bobcat out there just killing people. 
and mountain lions have not been credibly sighted in the area since before 1940. So there's been no proof that a cougar even lives there. Some say the area is unstable due to the wind patterns that are unusually chaotic and confusing, which is kind of creepy, so people can easily get lost. Getting lost makes sense, but why are people not finding their bodies? Right. And because there are no clear answers, several conspiracy theories have formed. So many people believe that a Bigfoot-like creature that the locals call the Bennington Monster is to blame. It's described as being a tall, long-haired creature, and tales about it have been around for decades. Native American legends and folklore describe the mountain as sacred but cursed. They will only bury their dead there. They won't live on it or anything. Oh. Yeah. There's a book called The Vermont Monster Guide written by Joseph Citro, and it talks about a man-eating stone of Glastonbury Mountain. And I need to find this, this book. So that's also a Native American legend. According to Citro, quote, No one alive has seen this dangerous anomaly on Glastonbury Mountain. Native Americans knew of it and warned people away. We can only imagine it is a sizable rock, large enough to stand on. But when someone stands upon it, the rock becomes less solid and like a living thing swallows the unfortunate trespasser. And then others believe the disappearances are the work of UFO abductions Mm -hmm. or wormholes to secret government projects. Now I don't know about that. I don't know about a wormhole. But now I want to look into it. (laughs) I know, and I couldn't find any exact articles about the UFO abductions or anything. It's just speculation. But I wonder if this is a whole TikTok rabbit hole about UFOs in the Bennington Triangle. But yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. That's awesome. It's very interesting. Oh, and... Did you watch Weirder What, that show by William Shatner? No. Well, it's on, I think, Netflix. I see. I've seen it on. I I turned it on and I watched like about 10 minutes of it and I don't remember why I stopped. But anyway, the Bennington Triangle was discussed in season three. I didn't even know it had three seasons, but season three, episode eight of William Shatner's Weirder What, the episode's called Mysterious Vanishings. I'm going to have to watch it when I have time Mm because that's interesting. Yeah. And it was also featured as one of the haunted locations in the paranormal TV show, Most Terrifying Places in America, which was on the Travel Channel. The episode titled Unnatural World told the stories about the reportedly missing persons that I just talked about and the local lore of the Bennington monster. So up there, it's... I love it's all, all of that about, stuff. Yeah, a lot of folklore around it, which is always interesting. Hmm. Now, now I gotta get on TikTok. I love a creepy triangle. You know, I love anything to do with Bigfoot and UFOs. <laughs> I couldn't find any pictures. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, I have. Speaking of streaming Netflix and all those things, um, do you remember when I was telling you about? That show that I watched, that Take Care of Maya, that made me cry till I threw up. Like, yes, and I'm not sob. watching it. Don't watch it. I'm not. I know what it's about. Don't watch it now. Wait. Well, oh. no, because then it'll just be worse. No, I know exactly what it's about. And I'm like, I can't put myself through it. So if you haven't watched it, 
you should, but <laughs> watch it without your kids because you will cry. So the jury awarded a settlement to the family of Maya for $261 million. It happened in Florida. Uh, they added $50 million in damages in the landmark medical malpractice case, bringing the facility's total penalty to more than a quarter of a billion dollars. <sighs> the panel found uh, John Hopkins All Children's Hospital in St. Petersburg liable on all counts against it, ruling that the facility wrongfully separated little Maya from her mother, who later committed suicide. <sighs> So freaking sad. It's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. If you don't have seen. time to watch it, Google the case at yeah. least. It's it's such a it's mess. It's heartbreaking. So the renowned medical center is now facing damages of $261 million in the case featured in the popular Netflix documentary, Take Care of Maya. The jury awarded the Kowalski family monies for a range of offenses, including wrongfully placing the child under video surveillance for 48 consecutive hours and making her strip down to her shorts and training bra to be photographed. This breaks my heart. A hospital staffer they found also committed misconduct by sometimes kissing the then 10-year-old little girl and having her sit on her lap. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. What the actual fuck? Ew. You know this baby. Oh, my God. Was terrified. <sighs> Max is 10, to put it into perspective, Lacey. And an, it was a nurse? Uh-huh. Or uh, somebody at the facility. I don't think it was someone a nurse. A female. Would, mm-hmm. ugh, someone you would think would be trusted with your child. And you're oh, taught God. as a child to trust people. Ugh. Especially... If they have a badge or, you know, we've been through this before on here, to trust them. Mm-hmm. They're the authority figure and you have to trust them. So Kowalski was admitted to the hospital in October of 2016 by her mom for treatment of a painful neurological condition known as chronic regional pain syndrome. So her mother demanded that Maya received an aggressive ketamine treatment, an approach that she said had previously relieved her symptoms. Maya's mother said she was put into a ketamine coma in Mexico, which is very unconventional, but it did improve her state that she was in from this disease. But doctors became a little wary of the mother's demands and concluded that she was suffering from Munchausen's by proxy, where the parent manufactures or exaggerates a child's symptoms to garner sympathy and attention. In other words, like what Gypsy Rose and yes. happened, with, which is valid to worry about sure. that if you're a medical professional, but the way they went about it was, ugh. So little Maya, I say little, she's grown now, testified at the trial that hospital personnel dismissed her condition as largely imaginary and scoffed at her complaints of pain. Just because she's a kid. I sure. watched this documentary, I told you, and I sobbed, mm. sobbed uncontrollably You see all of this in that documentary, and it is so heartbreaking. The facility contacted Florida Child Welfare Authorities to report suspected child abuse, and after an investigation, a judge made Maya a medical ward of the state and cut her off from her family. Yes. (sighs) Distraught over all of this and not being able to see her child and facing child abuse allegations, Maya's mother, Beta, hung herself 
in the family garage three months after her daughter was taken away. Three months. I'm about to cry right now. Could you imagine being accused of something like that when you truly had nothing to, and and people didn't believe you? I have tears in my eyes now. Like you are pregnant and you do not have this baby outside of your body yet. But the love you feel from him now is about to be magnified by a thousand million percent. Mm -hmm. So for someone to take, if someone took Max from me and thought I was making him sick, made him a ward of the state and told me I could not see him and they're going to put me in prison for abusing him. I cannot imagine the heartache, the defeat she felt as a mother. That's your job is to protect your baby. And that's all she was trying to do. I'm going to get real mad. And it's one of those things, too, like we talk about. There's cases that, like Gypsy Rose yes. Blanchard, I think yes. is her last name. Her mom got away with so much yes. and no one batted an eye. I mean, and then this happens and they barely look into mm-hmm. it. And they're like, yeah, it's definitely Munchausen's by proxy, whatever. They did not They did not do a thorough job at all. In, mm. So Maya clutched her mother's rosary beads and cried <sighs> Cried uncontrollably as the jury's mm-hmm. decision was announced on Thursday. Sobs intensified when the court the court clerk read the portion of the verdict that found the hospital liable for her mother's death. In a separate deliberation, the jury added fifty million in punitive damages, which are meted out to punish wrongdoings and deter similar actions. It was about the answer and knowing that my mom was right. Maya said. God. That's so For the messed up. First time I feel like we have justice. The panel of four women and two men arrived to, at the verdict on the third day of deliberation. Hospital lawyers had asserted at trial that staffers reported her parents to the authorities out of good faith and concern for Maya's well being. Her mother, they believed, was aggressively insisting on a risky treatment. The defense team produced drafts of emails she wrote in her daughter's voice for a blog. The writings chronicled her prior ketamine treatments with beta writing. The infusions could potentially result in total body failure or death, which they were warned about that. But here's the thing. Every surgery, extreme treatments like that all pose a risk for things. Right. You have to weigh the pros and cons. Oh, yeah, and that's sure. everybody. Mm-hmm. Both sides presented dueling experts on the condition and treatments with some asserting that the ketamine exposures were effective while others saying it wasn't FDA approved for a reason. Neither are diet pills. Neither are... You can't just say, well, it's not FDA approved. That's a very long, arduous process. Neither are vitamins that you can buy at Walmart. I mean, there's plenty of new treatments coming out every day. I'm not saying... I don't know anything about this treatment plan. I'm just saying, like, you can't just say... Well, it's not FDA approved. Okay, yeah. Well, something, everything starts somewhere. Well, in closing statements this week, the Kowalski family attorney said the hospital acted out of arrogance mm-hmm. and with disdain for Maya's parents' own medical expertise. So her mother right. was like a, she was a nurse, but like she was like had her bachelor's, like she was a super smart woman. She wasn't just, I mean, like, Gypsy Rose. Shit happens. Yeah. This was not the case. Yeah. The facility argued that they thought they could get away with it. An attorney for the hospital 
said they would appeal the ruling and that the trial was marred by clear and prejudicial errors. We are determined to defend and vehemently have an important obligation to mandatory report all suspected child abuse and protect the smallest and most vulnerable among us. There is no amount of money in the world that they could have given them to. Yeah, and, that's and the I worst get that, part. But at least you're. And I'll say this. As someone who works at a children's hospital, I get it. I am not a nurse, but I work very closely with nurses and doctors and surgeons and every other medical mm-hmm. person that there is. And I did ask the nurses. I told them I'd watch this and, you know, I kind of gave them a rundown of all of it. And they were all in agreement that they would have reported it to. Okay. Well. And I asked my sister, who is also yeah. a nurse, and she said the same thing. I would have reported her. Well, I feel like they aren't the ones at fault for reporting right. it. You know what I mean? But it's to the extreme that it went to. It not only got yeah. reported, but then The investigation alleged, exactly, that went down that's was what, what was yes, mishandled. You, yes, you are a mandated reporter. Yeah. Then it falls on to the people that are supposed to investigate it. They're the ones that fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like, yeah, they're like, this is a weird treatment. We've never yeah. heard of this. She's insisting. Yes. This is kind of unusual. Yes. I get that. I, yes. And I don't blame the people that mm-hmm. reported her. Mm-hmm. Because- if you get a bad feeling about something, I feel like you should. Sure. But then who investigates it? What are they cutting corners? Social workers come in to play. Yes. It, it's not it just should, the nurses. It's, it's the system in general. Right. Yeah. Right. And there on this documentary, there is several different, you know, videos and audio clips <sighs> where the hospital staff are just being assholes to this mom. Not yeah. letting her talk to her daughter, telling her she's already asleep, just doing all. It's because just, in their head, yeah, she's guilty. She's guilty and she's abusing her. And so they're but like. they can't jump, you jump can't, to that conclusion. Yeah, it's not up to you. You can report them. Yeah. And then you, but you can't. But you're breaking the law. Yeah, exactly. Not letting. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, just watch the show, people. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about this forever and get real upset. Yeah. But it's nuts. And some people, well, anyone I think that works in the hospital is a mandatory reporter. So if you thought something was going on and you didn't say something, oh, you're in for big sure. trouble. Well, and you don't want to not, yeah, you know, yeah, say I mean, something. It's just the whole investigation and all of that where it just mm-hmm. really went to shit. Honestly, yeah. I have um, something else to talk about that couldn't wait for Wednesday. Is because it as positive as that? It's not okay. <laughs> it. Maybe you've seen this case. I just ran across it a couple days ago it, in the news, and it's pretty shocking. This Alabama mayor and pastor, you haven't heard about this? I don't know. So um, Alabama. he is a mayor and pastor, or was, in Alabama, and he shot himself last week after a conservative news site posted several photos of him dressed in women's clothing. What? Yes. No, I haven't heard of this. It's uh, his name is F. L. Bubba in quotes, probably a nickname. Copeland, who was forty nine. Oh my god! He was the mayor of Smith Station and was a senior pastor at the First Baptist Church. When eighteen nineteen news revealed his secret life online as a transgender curvy girl, two days later, 
he shot himself in front of cops after they pulled him over to do a welfare check. Oh, my gosh. He exited the vehicle, produced a handgun, and took his own life, the sheriff's office said. Under the pseudonym Brittany Blair Summerlin, he posted pictures of himself on Reddit, Instagram, and other social media sites wearing lingerie and sometimes his wife's clothing. Brittany described herself as a transitioning transgender curvy girl that loves smiling clothes and shoes. He is a married father of three, and he also allegedly posted transgender pornography with explicit captions and wrote erotica. So the 1819 News published a story about his alter ego on November the 1st that included photos and screenshots of his online activity. He allegedly confirmed to the news site he was behind the accounts, which he described as a hobby that he did to relieve stress. His wife said she was aware of his risque pastime. I mean, if she doesn't care, I don't know why this news place cares, you know? Mm -hmm. But then it gets worse. Oh, no. So. I'm looking at the pictures and suits must really make you look much bigger because he looks a lot thinner dressed as a woman in, in this suit. It's very weird. He said, it's just a bit of character of a character that I'm playing. I don't go out and seek or solicit anything. Okay. He said the erotica that he wrote was purely fiction. What I do in my private life has nothing to do with what I do in my holy life, he said. Does this have any effect on me being mayor? That I sometimes put on a dress and sometimes wear makeup? Does this have anything to do whatsoever with me being a mayor or being a pastor? I mean, I don't know about well, the pastor part. Well, I was about to like, say, what, what are, you, are preaching? you preaching, sir? Are you preaching homophobia? Yeah, and exactly. All that? You said he was Baptist. Yeah. I'm just like, well, yeah, you know. Same day that this expose was posted online, he delivered his regular sermon. I have been the object of an internet attack, he said. The article is not who or what I am. Yes, I have taken pictures with my wife in the privacy of our home in an attempt at humor because I know I'm not a handsome man nor a beautiful woman either. And I apologize for any embarrassment caused by my private personal life that has come out publicly. Two days later, 1819 News published another story about the scandal and hours later is when he committed suicide. In one of his erotic fictions that he wrote, he talks about transitioning into a woman, murdering a local businesswoman, stealing her identity, then seducing her husband. Okay, that's a lot. Like, I have a problem with that. Like, if you want to be Brittany Blair and dress in your woman's panties or your wife's high heel shoes, I I don't give a shit. But now you're talking about murdering somebody Mm -hmm. and then sleeping with her husband after you pose as her and you name the woman in the town by name. Oh, it's a real person. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, no. that's too far. Don't mention names ever. That's, no. that's why I have nicknames in my book, I was telling you. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't mention names. Ay, ay, ay. So this woman tells the 1819 News that she knew Copeland's family and was very distraught to learn her name and business was <gasps> used in this erotica. Yeah. How did she find out about that? Well, the news the news. Oh, yeah, yeah. blasted it all. So uh. he also posted pictures of other locals, including a minor, with explicit commentary without okay, no. their consent. No. Yeah. That's horrifying. Like I said, you can do Yikes. whatever you want to do, but yeah. when you involve other people in your community and a child. Yeah, no. Not no children. Sorry. Come on now. And he was a pastor. Yikes. Again, that's. Yikes. You know what he, never mind. I was going to take it political, but I'm not. <laughs> but he was, and he was also a dad. I'm not saying dads can't be weird because there are a lot of weird dads out there, but it's just like, you just think, I mean. Yeah. It's, it's that stuff that's, I really no. hope his kids are getting, are talking to somebody. Yeah. That's a lot to unpack on your child. And especially if they didn't know. I know the mom well, knew some of it. Who knows what the extent was? I was going to say, who knows if she knew exactly. But you know she had to look. She knew his name and shit. I'd be on there looking. You'd be on there oh, looking. Oh, for sure. And just, yeah, she knew. Oh. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's all the shit I have to talk oh, about. Oh, God. It may, uh, yeah. So how many weeks pregnant are you now? A <laughs> hundred. No, no 36. Not. 36. So close. Yeah. <sighs> you're never going to make it. Uh, I'm thinking. I have f- a doctor's appointment this Friday for a checkup. I'm thinking the first week of December you're going to have Everyone thinks I'm going early except one one of my friends thinks I'm going to go late and it's going to be a Christmas baby. They won't let you go that I long. I know. I'm like, hell no. Well, I could ask at that point to be induced and they would let me. Not that I would, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I so, bet you would. You'd be like, I'm done, I'm done. At that done, point, I'm, I'm being induced. That's a that's over a week, well over a week. So I'm not, nope. I'm like, no, it's you not know, technically you go, baby. Technically, you can go up to 42 weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that would be possible, but I don't think they would let me go that long. And I could also be like, peace out. That would have been five more weeks that's that a, I would have had – because I had him at 37 weeks. Yeah. Five more weeks. And him gaining more weight. He would have been 12 pounds. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, he's – No. Because he's probably around six, six and a half pounds right now. He could, He's good. He could level he up could a gain. little bit. But he, like once it gets to 40 weeks, no. We're out this bitch. We're out. But we have some new patrons. Oh, awesome. Yes. We have Heather M., Thank you, Heather. Thanks, Heather. Not sure where she's from yet. Doesn't I'll matter. shoot her a message, but thank you. And also, Allie Kay joined us back in October, and I missed writing her name down. You've been growing a human. I'm sorry, so sorry, Allie. Allie. I told she's very nice about it. Lacey will name her baby after you. <laughs> <laughs> she's from Ohio. She's from Ohio, and I'm so sorry. Thank you, Heather, and thank you, Allie. And if you've fallen victim to me forgetting your stickers, send her a message. Yeah, send it. Email us at unitedstatesofmurder at gmail.com or message us on Instagram and Facebook. I swear I won't think you're rude or anything because all the time I'm like, well, plenty of people, I DM them and I'm like, did I send your stuff? You don't and, remember. And they're, yeah, mm-hmm. they're usually like, oh, yeah, thanks so much. Or yeah. They say no. I'm like, okay. Because Patreon, the site, does yeah. not organize it for you, which right. is annoying. Let's blame them and I have no <laughs> responsibility. 
Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Allie. And that's all I got. I got no updates. We only have one more episode. A Do new we? new episode left until we're dunsies for the rest of the year. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna have this baby. Good. Yeah. You gotta rest. I was like, I gotta write my notes, but I just wanna nest. No, just, <laughs> just one more. Nest. Just one more. Colorado. That's where we're at next. Colorado. Week. And we need to figure out the states we cover next so that over our little break. People from the states can help us find them. I have them. We oh, can we can yeah. do a little update on the socials and say, yeah. do you know anything? Because oddly enough, that's what is hardest for me is finding a case to cover. I search and search, and I can't. People always ask me, "How do you pick?" It's it's what, it's a toss up. People, it's, it's how it speaks to me. I mm-hmm. guess that sounds weird. I try not to do over popular ones, but then when you get lesser known ones. They're hard to get enough information right. and they're so short. Right. And I don't want to – no case is boring, but there are some cases where it's just literally – There's just not enough information. There's not enough information. It's a marital dispute and yeah. a guy shoots his wife because she's cheating and that's yeah. the story. So, yeah. you know, we could always use interesting cases you know about. Well, Colorado, we're coming for you next week. All right. And it's Thanksgiving. Oh, so, man, it is Thanksgiving yeah, week. It is Thanksgiving week. So we hope you'll have a, a gobble till you wobble. Good holiday with your family or yeah. your family, mm-hmm. wherever you decide. Or if you're at work, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> or if you're not in America, happy, eat, happy, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. <laughs> happy another Thursday. Happy another Thursday. Bye. Bye.